As we enter into this first Sunday of Advent, we start into the Christmas season. I need to let you know that I had a I had a cruddy Christmas last year. Had nothing to do with you. Had nothing to do with the church. I just had the kind of Christmas where you turn into a Scrooge because you really forget what it's all about. Sometimes it's difficult as your pastor to remember what it should be all about. I'm too busy worrying about whether the lighters work here or whether the microphones work or where Mary is. And I need to keep the main thing, as I've told you many times before, the main thing. So when I came up with this sermon series, I wanted to be one that we say we're going to hold on to Christmas. We're going to embrace Christmas, not just for these four weeks, but each and every Sunday, each and every day of our lives, that what happens this Advent season stays with us throughout the entire year. Don't allow it to escape your grasp. Don't allow it to escape your grasp. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, let us prepare ourselves and prepare our hearts once again for the coming of your Son. And help us not only to celebrate his birth, but to remember that he is coming again. Give us eyes to see, ears with which to hear, and hearts with which to know your word and your will. We ask during this Advent season, Father, that we might lose ourselves in the shadow of a manger and remember God with us, Emmanuel each and every day of our lives. It is in his precious name that we ask these things. Amen. The little girl was only four years old, but she said, Mommy, what is Christmas? And her mother tried to explain that Christmas is actually Jesus' birthday. And she asked her, well, then why don't we give gifts to Jesus, like birthday gifts to Jesus? And her mother explained that, well, it's actually a tradition to exchange Christmas gifts. It's expressions of love that we show each other. And that seemed to be enough of an explanation until Christmas Eve, when this sleepy little four-year-old was getting ready to go to bed, she came with a crudely wrapped package and placed it underneath the tree. And then she went off to bed. And her mother, not wanting her to be disappointed and not fully understanding what she was doing, decided that she would open up this crudely wrapped present and see what was inside. And when she did so, she found the box empty. And so she left it undone, laid it back underneath the tree. And on Christmas morning, her little girl woke up and was thrilled to come downstairs Not simply to see her presence, but more importantly to see her gift opened up. And her mother asked, well, what was it, sweetheart? And the little girl said, well, it was a box full of love. I knew that's exactly what Jesus would want. How childlike, and yet how Christ-like. I would ask you to remember this Advent season that it is never the gift that matters, but the love behind the gift that makes a difference in the other lives that we touch. What are you giving for Christmas, folks? Not what are you getting, 
What are you giving for Christmas? Now, if you're going to give this year, then you better get busy. Because I think we've only got like uh, 22 days and 12 hours and a few minutes to get it done. Have you got your list done? You got everybody on your list done? You got, have you shopped at all? No. You're in trouble. <laughs> oh, yeah, you shopped one. There's one. We always think about what we're going to give to each other. We spend half the year trying to search for just the right Christmas gift that we can give. You know, there are going to be some of you that go out after Christmas at the after Christmas sales and buy your Christmas gift for next year. And then you're going to tuck it away. And then you're going to pray that 11 months from now, you can remember where in the world you put that gift, especially in the middle of July. I can't begin to tell you how many times I've wished Laurie, Merry Christmas, July 19th or 20th or whatever, because I found it. I found the gift. We spend a lot of time trying to make just the right gift, find the right gift. Sometimes we ask, where did this gift come from? Some people say it came as a tradition from Europe, from our immigrants that came here in the 1700s, the 1800s. Some people say that really it's, it's really something that really came up with the American, I guess, profit orientation merchants. We got to sell. We got to sell. We got to sell. And any of you who have sat in front of the TV know that that's exactly what we're doing. On my Christmas lift, there's at least four new vehicles that I'm going to buy this year because I need them beyond a shadow of a doubt. I need them. Some people say it actually began with the Magi, the three wise men that came from the east who knelt at the manger of Jesus Christ and gave him those gifts of gold and myrrh and frankincense. But I'd like to tell you that I think it started even before that, this tradition of gift-giving at Christmas. And it wasn't the wise men. It was really God and Mary. That was the first Christmas gift exchange. Only two individuals came. One was ready because he was loaded down with a whole bunch of presents, and the other one was caught off guard and had to make do with what she had. Join me today. Join me as we read the gospel story from Luke, and I'm going to ask that we stand as we read this, as we have a better understanding. Luke 1, the 26th verse, these are the words that the doctor writes to us. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings. And then the angel paused and turned the piece of paper in the book and said, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom 
there will be no end. And Mary said to the virgin, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. and The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Please be seated, and I want you to take a quick look at this, if you will. Well, you sure have made a grand entrance into this world now, haven't you? Not an entrance a king would make, a manger of all places. No palace, no guards, just a barn and a lot of hay, if you ask me. (laughs) What am I to make of all these guests? That silent night sure got loud fast. I suppose you'd like to know how all this came to be, wouldn't you? Well, on an ordinary day, more ordinary than you can imagine, an angel came to me. I know. I had trouble believing it myself. He spoke of things I couldn't really comprehend. He spoke of you, the Son of the Most High. He looked straight at me, as if to ask, will you say yes? It was the scariest yes I'd ever uttered. This was an impossible yes that only God could make possible. Never in my wildest dreams. Speaking of dreams, is it okay that I have dreams for you too? All mamas have dreams for their babies, you know. Even babies announced by heavenly hosts. My little one. I have a strange feeling this will not be the only yes required of me. I cannot begin to imagine the yeses that will be required of you. Help me, one faithful day at a time. Mm-hmm. 
Keep saying yes. So what did God give? What did God give Mary? Well, first of all, he gave Mary an angel, not one of those cute little chubby guys that you see, not Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life, and not Dudley from The Bishop's Wife. This was Gabriel. This was a messenger directly from God with a message from God to Mary. Now, Mary may not have known Gabriel was standing there. She was a busy young woman. She had a lot of things going on in her life, a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. And maybe she hadn't known this stranger standing nearby. Perhaps we wouldn't recognize this stranger either until something was said. I do know that sometimes God sends into our lives gifts, unusual packages. But if we're not attentive, if we're not looking, if we're not listening, we can easily miss those gifts Be they an angel or something else? This angel gave Mary the second of her gifts. He gave her a little fright, a little scare. The Bible tells us that Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And what does the angel respond? The angel says, don't be afraid. You know, it seems like God does that an awful lot in the Bible, this don't be afraid. If you look in Luke alone, go to the next chapter in chapter 2, and we have all the angels out there singing in the field, and they tell the shepherds, fear not, do not be afraid. Later on in Luke, in the, the fifth chapter, where Peter is beginning to recognize that Jesus is truly the Messiah upon which they've waited on, he says, don't be afraid. And later still, in the 12th chapter of Luke, Jesus is telling the disciples who are worried about what they're going to eat and what they're going to drink and what they're going to wear. And Jesus says, your Father will provide. Don't be afraid. We do a lot of that, don't we? That's four occasions right here in Luke. If you go through the entire Bible, you'll find over 300 instances where we have the fear not, don't be afraid. I think that's part of the basic training for angels that God gave them. He says, you can't just keep running around here. Don't tell them things like, yep, I'm here to talk about the Lord. Nope, start out with don't be afraid or you'll lose them. They'll run away and hide. Don't be afraid. Fear not. It seems that when God steps into our lives, everything might be merry and bright, but God's intervention can sometimes be unsettling. It can be disturbing. It can even be unnerving. And that's why the angels, as well as everybody else, begins, don't, don't be afraid. Fear not. Fear not. So God gave Mary an angel and Gabriel. Then the angel gave her a good scare. And the next gift that Mary receives is a mystery. It's a mystery. Look again at the words, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. God was going to squeeze his awesomeness into this tiny little baby. He was going to 
squeeze his power into little tiny hands and the fingers and the tiny little feet. He was going to be God with skin on, just like us. How's that going to happen, Mary asked. Mary asked the question we've all asked for 2,000 years. How is that even possible? She wanted to know exactly how it's going to happen. She was trying to make sense out of something that doesn't make sense to any of us. Not really. Because we can't logically or analytically describe exactly how it happened. And isn't that when we find ourselves in the most trouble? We attempt to fit God into our little boxes of explanation so we can understand and explain what God is. And we have a difficult time understanding those things that are beyond our comprehension. It's easy to say God is omniscient, omnipotent. It's another one to truly believe that and say there are just some things beyond us. We all have questions, don't we? Mary would have had a ton of questions sitting there. Have you ever thought about the other questions that Mary might have asked? Will the labor be hard? Don't you ladies think about that, especially on your firstborn? Will the labor be hard? Will someone be there to help me? What's this child, this king of Israel going to be about? There are lots of questions that we have when we let God enter our lives and let his will be done. So God gives an angel, gives a little bit of a scare, then he gives a, tr- a, a mystery. And the next thing that God gives is trouble. Trouble. And we don't associate that with God very much, do we? But if you look at the language, Mary says, how can this be? I- I've never known a man. This wasn't a, a simple, insignificant thing for Mary. Consider re- realistically what Mary was going to go through. The whisperings behind her back the pointed fingers, the false accusation, the raised eyebrows, the questions, the gossip, the criticism, the family pressures. Now, maybe this day it's all right to get married in a white gown with a baby bump, but not 2,000 years ago. In some cases, you could be taken out and stoned. That's just the way it was. Don't you think Mary had those questions? Don't you think that was trouble? Don't you think that was a risk to her life? Maybe she'd lose her fiancé. Matter of fact, we, we think that Joseph was about to get rid of her until what? God comes into his life and speaks. You'll hear more about that later. But sometimes when God steps into our lives, things don't get immediately better. They get worse. Sometimes his plan is not always easy. Sometimes his plan is not with risk to us. He brings trouble. And the last gift that Mary gets is a tiny little package, a precious little baby. I can't help but look at that video and smile and think, you know, Jesus, Jesus was that small. Jesus was just like that. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the one to be born will be called the Son of God. This entire passage boils down to one simple thought. God becomes flesh. The awesome power of God enters into a baby and enters into our world. How did it happen? I don't have the faintest idea. Mary didn't have the faintest idea. Gabriel didn't have the faintest idea. Sometimes you just have to leave things up to God.
because he is in control. And Gabriel says, nothing, nothing is impossible with God. So for that first Christmas, God gives Mary an angel. He gives her a little bit of a fright. He gives her a mystery. He gives her trouble, and he gives her a tiny package of a baby, God. Now, Mary didn't have a vast array of gifts to give. So what did Mary give back? What was this exchange of a gift? She says as much here at the very end, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. No arguments, no complaining, no whining, no asking, why me, Lord? No excuses, no postponements, no refusals. Just surrender. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. What better gift could anybody give at Christmas? Isn't that exactly what God wants from us? He wants us. You know, I wonder how much we struggle when God wants to do something in our lives. Perhaps he's placing something on your heart. Maybe it's to serve here in the church in some capacity. Maybe it's to do evangelistic work out in the community or work with our kids. Maybe it's even to be in a mission someplace. Maybe it's to travel overseas and to witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe he's asking you to do something great. Maybe he's asking to work through you. And how are you answering? Maybe God is tugging on your heart to do some extraordinary thing, and we give every excuse in the book of why we can't do it. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not educated enough. I'm not experienced enough. Shouldn't we be answering just the way that Mary answered? Shouldn't we be letting go and letting God and saying, I am your servant. Every year, folks, we knock ourselves out trying to find the perfect Christmas gift for somebody. You're going to do it. You know it, even as you sit there, except those of you who don't shop at all until the 24th, and then you're just going to get whatever you get. We spend every year finding the perfect Christmas gift, and we call it Christmas, but it's not really Christmas. Christmas is when, like Mary, you give yourself into the hands of God. When you trust God to come into your life and to make a difference. When you surrender your life to him. No excuses, no postponements, no arguments, just surrender. That's what it means to embrace the gift. That's what it means to hold on to the gift of Christmas. God does not bless us because of our ability. He blesses us because of our availability. Let me say that again. God does not bless us because of our ability. He blesses us because of our availability. Are you available to God? Are you open to God? Are you willing to let him in? Are you willing to say, I am the Lord's servant? Mary got it. Mary realized it was not about her, it was all about him. And that's what Christmas really is about, embracing the gift, surrendering our lives, giving ourselves as gifts to God because it's the only thing we have to give.
The weeks ahead are going to be filled with all sorts of stuff, folks. Music, lights, shopping, traffic jams, filled malls, friends, family gathering together. Emotions will soar. We'll have absolutely scrumptious and wonderful meals to eat. Old memories will be shared. New memories will be made. Gifts will be given and gifts will be received. That's the way it should be. I believe that God is indeed pleased when we celebrate the coming of his son and look forward to his second coming. So keep the main thing the main thing. But let me remind you of one other thing this Advent season. Will you take time, whether it's today or tonight or tomorrow or next week, will you please take time and remove yourself from the hustle and the bustle of the Christmas season and sneak away and be alone with God. Leave the chaos outside and bring God closer to you inside, and embrace the gift that he has given you in his son, Jesus Christ. And then embrace the gift, the only gift that you can give him in return, yourself. Would you bow your heads with me, please?